Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Hour number two is here of Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Anticipation of college football season. Of the big matchups this weekend, while I don't, I mean, the, the three big matchups, I think, could all end in a blowout-type situation. But which one could well, be the closest, best game of the three? So let's go through. I'm curious, how when you say three biggest matchups, you're talking Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yes. You're talking Not Oregon, close. Georgia. Yep. Who's the third? Arkansas, Cincinnati. Okay. Cincinnati from the college football playoff say, against the hype of Arkansas. I would say Utah, Florida is more intriguing to me. I think there's a battle for third, is my point, um, for third best matchup. Well, two of those games are kicking off at the same time. Yeah. That's why Georgia and Arkansas are playing at the same time on Saturday. I also think... Um, on the same network, really, ESPN and Thursday ABC. night has got two really good games, intriguing games, with Pitt and West Virginia and also with uh, Purdue hosting Penn State. I think of the three you lay out, Georgia, Oregon has the chance to be the closest, but I don't think any of them are going to be close per se. You want to really have something shake up the, the 14 nation? 14 to 17. Well, shake up the college football world is have Dan Lanning beat, beat Georgia well, in a shocker in game number one after awesome. leaving his, from his defensive coordinator job. Think about what we saw last year at this time. Oregon went on the road and won against Ohio State. That, that makes me feel like it's less I mean, likely for them to do. Now you've got a, the neutral field here. So, again. Um, it's just, uh, it, 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 we'd still be surprised by it, even though we don't. I mean, we, we know the reload aspect of what George is expected to do defensively. But, I mean, I, there is an unknown factor there. There's an, un, an unknown factor a bit with Dan Lanning and what we may see there with his knowledge of what George's defense does well. I saw reading something, you know, preparing to cover the high school or sorry the college football season and about different teams and they described Georgia's defense as going from generationally great yeah. to just top 10 in America. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. now well just a top 10 defense nationally is what they're going to have this year as opposed to maybe one of the greatest defenses of all time. So uh, can I pick up briefly on what we were discussing with the uh, the coaches and the perception? Sure. This goes back to our offseason offseason discussion of why I read into what Nick Saban was saying about Jimbo Fisher. Nick Saban, at the program that we always expect to be there, is pointing out a program on the rise in recruiting. He's not pointing out everybody that's recruiting the same way, but the one that he views as a threat. That is worth more, more notice than what it was given, despite the feud between the two. He's acknowledging, He's acknowledging that A&M is closer in the race to becoming what <laughs> Alabama is perceived as more so than oh Ole Miss added all these players in the transfer portal or Tennessee is paying their their 
senior high school quarterback to come to. Two million a year. Right. He's not pointing that out because he's only mentioning what pops in his head as the threat over his shoulder. So And, and a, a team that already beat him a year ago. So that that's why I, I pointed out the – he's acknowledging this without really saying that they're doing the same thing, but everybody's doing a similar version of the same thing. It's just that A&M is doing it better right now than those that are spending money in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I, I immediately what jumped out to me was notice he mentioned A&M, who he plays every year, but he didn't mention Tennessee, who he plays every year, right. but who had the most high-profile one incident of NIL for a high school athlete that's been rumored, reported, however you want to say it, with Nico Iamaleava, the possible two million dollar a year man, we don't know. Don't want to pick Allegedly, a fight there. and we don't really know the payments well, in A and M either. He doesn't. He doesn't see deem Tennessee as a threat. You know, he deems A and M as more of a threat. Yeah, he sees because their overall class and what they do on both lines of scrimmage in terms of recruiting uh, in the state of Texas. So it's it's a different threat. Shane Beamer recently said this, and he's right. He said, "I know we must be doing something right because all off season." I'm seeing a lot more Tennessee, Kentucky, and Florida fans in my mentions mm. and in South Carolina's That's mentions. That's interesting. So he's ruffling some feathers, pun intended, with some other teams out there, and that's leading to him thinking, I must be doing something right. And I think the, the angrier you get, you know, the angrier you get your rivals, you probably are doing something right. You think Drinkwitz feels the same way because everyone, you know, points out what he says? At Missouri, <laughs> I I still don't, I don't think, view it the same way. I still don't think people care enough. They didn't. They were just making fun of him, right? When he says something, it's like, look at this nerd, right? I, I mean, yeah, he shoved this guy in a locker so he'd shut up. I feel like that's the general refrain when it comes to Eli Drinkwitz but, but when he starts talking trash. But I like I when he went on Rome, like I I love that response, but. I mean, he's pointing out the uh, he's pointing out the sixty three points that he gave up and what was a beatdown and wanting the win back, and it's you know it's uh, it's comical, but at the same time, I I like the fact that you have some of that trash talk going on. It's just yeah, at Missouri. Just, it doesn't. It rings a bit hollow. Right? It's also though if you're at Missouri. Yeah, um, I know. I, I I know what you're saying. Look, I don't. No one how fears the Missouri football program. Right. So you got to go in. This is like what this is the approach Lane Kiffin took at Tennessee back when Tennessee was still pretty close to being Tennessee. Yeah. And it was just the wrong approach. He thought, "Man, I got to come in here. I was at USC before this. I'm at Tennessee now. No one cares about Knoxville, Tennessee or Rocky Top or Tennessee. So I'm just going to say a bunch of crazy stuff like Eli Drinkwitz does at Missouri. I understand it at Missouri when you've got 20,000 people showing up to your games." to watch a rock fight when Missouri football is playing. Tennessee was a year removed from the SEC championship game where a pick six, they were a pick six away from beating LSU who won the national title that year for the S. I mean, Tennessee in 2009 was not some far off distant place in the world of college football. Was in the but head you, of Lane Kiff. When you get to Missouri, okay, I got to punch up a little bit. So let's make fun of Tennessee. Let's make fun of some other programs and let's have some fun with it to get some attention. I understand what Eli Drinkwitz is doing. I just think you look foolish when, like you said, Hutton, you're giving up 63 points at home to Tennessee and you can't tackle them. Yeah. Well, you also look foolish when you put on a Darth Vader helmet and grab a lightsaber. 
Yeah, well, that and then you know what a fun so, off season, by the way, with some of these coaches. Mark Stoops had the whole thing about staying in his lane with John Calipari, and then took a side shot at Shane Beamer for doing some dance video <laughs> in the off season. He said, "We're about culture here at uh, at Kentucky, and we're not about you know some silly dances." I mean, it, on it YouTube. looks it looks cheesy. Like I'm with you, Paul, but at the same time, in this day and age, where coaches give us absolutely nothing anymore. At least we see a little personality. As long as he's consistent with that, like it's not like a one-off, like he's trying too hard thing. If that's him, and he's going to continue to give us these opening line remarks on Jim Rome or any show he joins, ready to you know pop off, or you know Kiffin, Kiffin at times is poking the bear where he comes on as he's the you know an offensive uh, coordinator at Alabama or wherever at Florida Atlantic head coach. And he's coming on Nashville radio saying go Vols at the end of his uh, interview for no unprompted reason. That's entertaining to me. At least we're getting a little personality in a day and age where, you know, the, the, the only emphasis is on, you know, um, trying to prop up some scrub team that Alabama's playing as, you know, this quality opponent oh, in I'm, McNeese State or I'm whatever it is. I'm with you, but I don't think Drinkwitz's like, timing and delivery is very good. Well, it came off the win against Florida. I mean, the timing and delivery was at least based off a win. Well, it was no, also but he was direct, like, wait, and the, you know, like it, it was a direct troll. He, at, was uh, he said like, that, you know, he had to go get the helmet. He like said, wait, like he kind of forgot to do it and then did it like that oh. kind of Well, dilemma. it was a direct troll at Dan Mullen Dead who Mullen. did it after the fight. Remember Florida had a big brawl and then yep. he comes in it was on Halloween, comes in as Darth Vader. So he was responding after beating Dan Mullen and ending his coaching career at Florida. Yep. He was doing that. If you want to see a good troll and how you troll. I don't know if you guys saw this from Northwestern's offensive line coach, but after they beat Did he throw up and Paid homage to Nebraska. He, that would have been a good He one. did pay homage to Vomit. Gagged but himself. what he said was, uh, <laughs> that would have been great. In celebration, you just go throw up. Here are up. my thoughts. You go throw up on it. It's, it's uh, Is it Dominic or Donovan Rayola, the coach? It's one of the brothers, Donovan. Rayola. Donovan, Donovan Rayola is the coach. Dominic was the good NFL player. Him actually throwing up on Donovan Rayola would have been next level. But he tweeted afterward. He said, man, it's crazy. We played that well, and we only threw up four or five times total <laughs> throughout, throughout camp instead of four to five times a, a day, day as uh, Scott Frost claimed. That's good. I like that. That's a good, clever response after the game. It's going to anger a lot of Nebraska fans out there, but it's funny. Yeah. How much more angry can they be? Um, Paul, your thoughts on the Mets trolling the Yankees by showing up wearing Mets Aaron Judge jerseys. Not just one or two, but throughout the ballpark. Fans or, or the team? Fans. They're having custom Mets jerseys made with Judge 99 <laughs> on the back, thinking that they have a shot to sign him. It's interesting to me that the Mets, who actually have a chance to win something this year, already worried about next year, knowing that it's not going to happen for them this season. I, I would well, think aside that from the Mets absorbed. losing, your thoughts on them thinking they're getting Aaron Judge? Well, good luck. Good luck to the Mets winning something against the Yankees. It'd be the first. I would uh, love to see. That, I, wa I want to see the happens, Braves. But I'd love to see a Subway Series uh, again. If, if Young Steinbrenner lets that happen, he will be. Uh, he can't set foot. He'll in be New what? York again. <laughs> They're going to make him sell the team. He can't. He can't <laughs> set foot, and he won't be able to. Set I saw foot the New post. York. Yankees fans will take the team from him. And it, the, the, I saw the post, and uh, Outkick has a, a story up about it. I thought it was just one custom jersey. 
But they're like, it, someone went around the and just picked out all the 99 jerseys, Mets uniforms they found, and with Judge on the back throughout the, just a random ball game last night. It's amazing to me that people are that willing to waste money because a custom jersey is a pretty yeah. penny. Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, what are you doing with that jersey? There's something about baseball. The Braves, by the way, lost their third straight game last night for only the second time this year that they've lost three straight all wow. season. They lost the last two to the Cardinals. They lost game one of the series at home against a bad Rockies team. I'm watching the very beginning of that game. I only got to see the first inning. And it's one of those situations where I knew the Braves lost the game in the first inning. They had bases loaded, one out, and they did not score. And I said to myself then, I'm like, this is that that they're gonna lose. This is gonna be that one of those the games they're gonna leave everyone on base. I think they left 15 guys on base in scoring position throughout the game and lost three to two to a bad Rockies team. And I'm like, yep, that that's it. But it's weird when you it clicks in. Yeah, now that's gonna be it. First inning, failed to score a single run with bases loaded, one out, and now they're gonna lose just kind of a ho hum game against a bad team. And Aaron that's what Judge happened. at fifty one. Before the close of August. Going to be a heck of a month and for Yankees fans. And pull holes. Went yard again. Within six of 700. So uh, Pujols, the Mets, by the way, lost last night in doing that to the Dodgers. Fa- can I give a fair foul real quick? Uh, does yeah. anybody beat the Dodgers? Well, Braves did last year. I'll have to do it again. Um, so the Cardinals are selling tickets off of this pursuit of 700, right? Yeah. How do you not play him every game? I'd like to. I need to look at How his do you game not play by him game. Every game. I, I did a Fox News rundown about him when he was ten away, and I looked at his game by game then. And he had played. He was on a hot streak then, and he continues to be on a hot streak. He had played a lot, so I don't know what is what he's doing right now, but I think he's playing often. But yeah, yeah if you're buying if not, you're if you're buying a ticket yeah, right now, and he's him, not playing. You DH him every day. But even, I, even then, I, he's I, not I'm with the you. everyday. I mean, he's hitting the ball so well right now. Also, if he breaches, if he's close, you know, this is the swan song performance. Does he come back for another year? He said absolutely not. If he's too off. He said absolutely not. If he's not. too away from 700. I would want to come back and do it and then retire immediately. I think there's a certain, I mean, he's been such a classy pro and there's a, a cheese factor to coming back to say, there's I'm also go, and a, who wants you to come back to hit two home runs and then retire? Yeah, there's a You're fake, using a roster spot temporarily. There's a fake factor yeah. to it also. I don't like, like you've kind of churched up and the I don't number think do to come back and just do that but and I don't, retire. I don't get the sense he thought he was going to do it. He didn't. But now that he's close, it changes how you view the record. To me, it's obtainable. Yeah. Like you know, if you come back, you're you're getting it. But he has said very oh. staunchly, he he's not letting the number affect his plan. He's retiring. Well, that was about ten days ago when he was about ten away. Then you should play him every day. <laughs> Just well, I mean, I, I think away. it's it, it's it comes down to what do you owe your fans, right? Do you think Albert? Pl- Playing Albert Pujols every day affects your chances of winning that division. That division is not won yet and getting to the playoffs. They are two and a if half that's the case, on Milwaukee. If that's truly the case, you can't do it. If everything is close to even, mm-hmm. you have to play him every yeah. day. If you think, he, for some reason, we cannot do this, this is not some promotional stunt in the middle of a pennant chase, we're not going to do it. But if it's – I don't see how he's hurting them right now. No. If you're playing. As long as he's hot. 
as long as he's hot, I, I would be rolling him out there, and it's a win-win. But also, the Cardinals don't have trouble selling tickets. No, and I'm not trying to claim that they're having trouble selling out games, You know what but, I mean? I mean, that they're, they're in the uh, middle of a, of a pennant race, and that's a great baseball town, and people are going to be there for the pennant race. Um, this is a cherry on top. He's also, I mean, he could barely make it through the opening round of the Home Run Derby without pulling a, he was getting a massage on his forearm. <laughs> like, at 46 years old, because, you know, the reports are he has a birth certificate that surfaced that he's way older than 42 or however old he is. I mean, it, they also have to manage his workload in order to get this performance. It's a fascinating rush to 700. I mean, he was 20 away or so, roughly, right, around the All-Star break? 18, yeah, something like that? Came out, I'm, I'm rooting blazing. for it. I'm rooting for him. There's, I mean, unless you're just a Cubs fan that hates the Cardinals, there's not a lot of reasons to hate on Albert Pujols yeah. in his career. It's a cool storyline, for sure. Uh, coming up, Armando Salguero. It's the NFL storylines with us. The Ravens have added a running back, and some other cuts have been made. Big news around the league with Jimmy Garoppolo and much more. Armando Salguero of OutKick.com with us next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. We're back. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and we Old Smoky Moonshine. Armando Salguero back with us to talk NFL headlines. Outkick.com is where you can find him. The backdrop is Nissan Stadium, but he's not in Nashville. He is down in South Florida doing great work for the website. Armando, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Uh, glad to see the three amigos there all together. Look at that. Here we are. Here we are. Good hey, to see you, Armando. That's beautiful. You wrote about uh, Jason Jenkins, who uh, passed away way early. Uh, I didn't know him. I knew his smile, and I knew him in passing. Uh, uh, an executive with the Dolphins in communications and community relations. Uh, tell everybody who's listening and watching about him and about what we've lost. Right. So, yeah, look, um, most people aren't going to know him because he wasn't a player. He wasn't a coach. But the people who ever came in contact with him, and that's people throughout the NFL, 
they're never going to really truly get over this loss because it is impactful. Um, 47 years old, uh, you know, passed away at work because he worked 16, sometimes 18 hour days. He was the guy that basically was the right hand man and the advisor to Dolphins Brain Trust. Believe it or not, they had an advisor where not for Jason Jenkins, they would have stepped into many more landmines than they did. And I would say to you, when they did, it was because they didn't take his advice. Um, he was a guardian angel to the media because he was part of that as well. He was great for the community. Uh, this is the only guy I know that in the same day could go, uh, you know, into um, like uh, a Muslim mosque and a Jewish temple and be at home and feel at home and have the people there be at home with him at the same time. And it was just, you know, uh, his, his, his help. And uh, his, his footprint was very large. That's the reason that the New York Jets and Giants on Sunday in New York at MetLife, they had a moment of, of silent tribute to him before the game. Two teams he never worked for, two teams that really have nothing to do with the Miami Dolphins. And yet that happened. And it's been done across the NFL last last weekend. Armando Salguero, our guest, and uh, a great uh, piece that he wrote on on uh, his friend there who passed away this past weekend. You can uh, go to outkick.com to, to read that. Armando, uh, news around the NFL. Let's start with Jimmy Garoppolo, who takes the pay cut. But also the 49ers, by doing so, have signaled that Jimmy G remains in the mix because of whatever's going on with Trey Lance as the starter. It's Trey Lance's offense. But now there will be more conversation about whether or not it is Trey Lance's offense because Jimmy Garoppolo is is behind him now for an offseason where it was clear they wanted to move on. What are you talking about, Jonathan? It's Trey Lance's team. Ask <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. Oh. Ask, you know, John Lynch. It's Trey Lance's team. We've told Jimmy Garoppolo it's Trey Lance's team. We've told Trey Lance it's Trey Lance's team. We've told the locker room it's Trey Lance's team. Until, of course, you know, Trey Lance maybe has a couple of rough outings. And then, uh, you know, hey, whatever. Maybe it's not Trey Lance's team. And that's the point of having Jimmy Garoppolo around, both on a good and on a negative, it's great because the 49ers are a Super Bowl caliber team. They know it. Everyone knows it. And they are a Super Bowl caliber team starting a developmental quarterback in Trey Lance. And maybe Trey Lance develops like the Dickens between now and September 11th when they open the season at the Bears. But if he doesn't, and if there's issues, you know, Multiple weeks in a row, there sits Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy that in the last two non-COVID years helped the 49ers go to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game. I didn't say he took them there, but he helped them to get there.
And there's value in that. No doubt. And and just to put in perspective, like aside from the fact that the guy was throwing on a field whenever the team was in meetings and then whenever he was in meetings, the team was practicing. Uh, they gave Nate Sudfeld $2 million guaranteed back in March. They were moving on from Jimmy G until they weren't. And that's what's so intriguing about the decision with this, that they didn't just cut him and move on, that they felt like they should keep him around despite giving Nate Sudfeld $2 million guaranteed. That's, that's the red flag in all of this, right? That, uh, let me, let me point out, by the way, that, you know, Jimmy G is very smart in that he agreed to this. He does have a no trade clause. So if something happens around the league, let's say, for example, Trey Lance is, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Dan Marino in, in their second year. And that it's just eye popping. Now the need for Jimmy G goes away. They can trade him up until the trade deadline, which I believe is in November, if I'm not mistaken, at some point. And so Jimmy G has a no trade clause. He's not going anywhere where he doesn't agree to go to. That's big. But he obviously, if it's a good team that's chasing a championship, he gets he goes from a good team chasing a championship to a good team chasing a championship. He's likely going to do okay, and that only does one thing. It puts money in his pocket next offseason when he is a free agent and wants to start for somebody. Uh, I, the, the calendar makes it simple for us on this date. November 1st is the NFL trade deadline. Tuesday, November nice. 1st. Armando, is Alex Leatherwood getting cut by the Raiders? A cautionary tale for first-round picks around the league where agents or people in their ear could say, look – you got to show up and perform or you could be the next Alex Leatherwood or is Alex Leatherwood simply a cautionary tale for new regimes taking over and you being in jeopardy if you're not pulling your end of the, end of the bargain when they arrive? Yes, both. And I would add a third to that. Alex Leatherwood is a cautionary tale for a player who was overdrafted and probably Probably shouldn't have been the 17th pick in the draft. By the way, Cleveland Farrell, also a Mike Mayock pick, shouldn't have been drafted top five either. And so it's a cautionary tale of you haven't arrived until you've arrived. And a guy that was, quote unquote, a plug and play right tackle, according to Mayock, was out of the right tackle job after four games, even with Mayock as the general manager. So that was a message to Alex Leatherwood. Dude, you've guaranteed yourself nothing other than one paycheck. Uh, make this good or you're out on your tail. And that's what he was. And now he's with the Chicago Bears. We're calling them Mike Mayock picks, but... John Gruden surely was was behind a, a lot of these selections, don't we think? Sure. But I mean, of course, he was the the he was the power in that organization as given to by obviously ownership, Mark Davis. But, you know, Mike Mayock was the quote unquote expert. 
And I would say to you, Paul, that John Gruden got his way as it pertained mostly to quarterbacks. Um, he, he had thoughts, has thoughts about quarterbacks and how many they have on the roster and who they have. But John Gruden wasn't telling Mike Mayock, pick Alex Leatherwood at 17. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't like totally like that. Armando Salguero, our guest on Outkick 360. Armando, Josh Gordon cut by the Chiefs, visiting the Titans. I think he has something like 17 catches over the last three seasons. Have we seen 32. the last 32? We've Have we seen the last of Josh Gordon being any kind of factor as a receiver in the NFL? Well, it was interesting because normally Josh Gordon would get cut for one reason and one reason alone. And that was never, he's not good enough. He's not amongst our best five or six. This is the first time that I can recall where it wasn't, he had a setback. Uh, you know, there was uh, other issues with being on time or other issues with, uh, you know, contradictory appointments, let's say, um, needing to be at rehab or whatever. This was, Josh Gordon, um, you're not good enough on the field where you've always dominated, always been a stud, always been good enough. And so, I mean... You know, the, the Titans, God bless them, the Julio Jones thing didn't work out. Uh, this feels a little bit like a replay of let's throw it out there to, to reel in a big name with a big reputation who might be a huge hit, but more than likely isn't going to be. Armando, you had a, it was either a sit down or a stand up one on one with Mike McDaniel. You know my feelings on the new Dolphins head coach. I, I can't wait to see how the season plays out with him. But in your one on one chat, uh, he, he did not hold back on expectations for himself and his calling as a head coach. Your thoughts based, uh, based off the, uh, the conversation with Miami's young and new first time play caller and first time head coach? Yeah. Uh, so he's talking about being a Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> Let that marinate for a second yeah. there. Uh, what is his record again? <laughs> uh, well, he's undefeated, of course. Uh, I don't know, man. I, look, I sit down and they say what they say, and God bless them for it. And go get it, brother. <laughs> Mike McDaniel, if that's what you're putting out there, because that's what he's told his players, by the way, which is interesting. But I think I'm going to be in the camp of prove it to me. I think I'm going to be in the camp of guys with great confidence in what they are able to do don't need to say stuff like this. Okay. This feels a little bit like whistling through the graveyard type of stuff where I'm going to set the bar for me and tell people who I am. Bill Belichick 
suddenly becomes the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, he's not telling his players, my goal is to be in the Hall of Fame. And not just Bill Belichick. I would say 90% of coaches are not doing that. How is he set up for a team he inherited to have success right out of the gate? It's not like he took over Chicago or Detroit. Or, you know, he's with Miami, certainly know the offensive weapons, the defense, the coaching staff's back along with many talented players. Just your assessment of a first-time head coach being in that situation, in that talented locker room compared to where he could have ended up, given what we normally see with coaching turnover. Right. Well, he is, the team he inherited is not there. <laughs> there this is a new, a new team because... Uh, Tyreek Hill was not on the Dolphins. Uh, Chase Edmonds was not on the Dolphins. You know, the, the, their left tackle was on the Saints last year. Their starting center started for the Cowboys last year. Yes, the defense is the same, except Byron Jones is going to be out the first four weeks because he's on PUP. It's set up well for him, except for two words. Do you know the two words? Yes, the, the short first name and the long last name. Well, <laughs> I, okay, except for four words. Okay, good. <laughs> so other <laughs> than Tua yes, Tagovailoa, go no ahead. Quarterback. Those are two words, and then Josh Allen are the other two words. <laughs> okay, okay. Right? Uh, the Buffalo Bills are going to win that division. Um, it's just the way it's going to go. I'm sorry. If it doesn't, this hat, I will eat this hat. <laughs> if, 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 uh, I will, you know, put some mojito on it or something and I will eat it. But the Buffalo Bills, you know, even with Tredavious White out the first few weeks on PUP, that's still the class of that division. Um, ask me who I think is the third best team in that division. So, Armando, first off, quickly, who is the third best team in that division? The New York Jets. Okay. Interesting. Also interesting was the Bills. You mentioned them. Uh, their decision to release that statement about Matt Ariza, and they thoroughly reviewed the matter, and then a day and a half, I think it was, maybe two days later, they cut. Matt Ariza, this was when they had a month that they had the info. Uh, they got the info in late July to prepare something. I thought it was just an unneeded, unnecessary blunder by the Bills PR department. It was that. It was also a PR department doing what the football ops wanted done, right? Because um, it, look, the PR department doesn't run the show. Football operations runs the show. And so if football ops tells PR, we're going this way, and this is what is going on, and this is what we need to say. Going back to the Jason Jenkins thing, sometimes PR gives good advice, and football ops and the people above PR basically slap away that good advice and go their way. So 
I'm not putting it totally on PR, although, I mean, what can they do? Hold their breath and no, you're going to definitely say this right thing. It, it, you know, they, they can't do anything about that. The Bears claimed six guys. The Jets, since the start of cuts, had 11 guys claimed. What is that? Does that tell you as much about those two rosters as it sounds like? I think it does, Paul. And did, did I mention that I think the Jets are going to end up third? Yeah. In that division? Did I say that? You did. Um, and the reason I think that is they, they have a much deeper roster than what they've had to the point where, like you mentioned, their cast-offs are now players that other teams value. When was the last time we thought that was a fact? In fact, when was the last time that ever happened? It's been a while, and I think it's a good sign for the Jets. It puts the onus on their coaching staff to develop that you know, talent, but I think they're capable of doing that. And again, the quarterback, right? The quarterback. Is Zach Wilson the real thing? Well, maybe he is or maybe he isn't. But the team that I'm picking last in that division, the New England Patriots, their quarterback, maybe he is and maybe he isn't. Who knows about him? I mean, I'm not, you know, totally planting the flag and dying on the Mac Jones hill. Armando, other than New England, and you, you can certainly dive in on this a, a, a bit further, it, has your perception changed on an organization or team based on how the last month, the last four or five weeks have played out going into the regular season? Other than New England? Yeah, but I, if it's only New England, then that's fair. Let's, let's dive in a bit further there. Right. Well, my perception of that team has changed in the last two years because two years ago, Bill Belichick told owner Robert Kraft, Tom Brady is declining and we need to go year to year and maybe get out sooner rather than later. Guess what? <laughs> uh, year after he leaves, he wins the Super Bowl. Year after that, he leads the NFL in passing on multiple fronts, including touchdowns, which are kind of important. So... That whole Bill Belichick is awesome as a um, personnel guy and a predictor of what talent is about to do, even talent in front of him. That's a major, major flub, you know, flub. That's bad. So I don't like that. Um, I'm going to try to, you know, not be the idiot nerd sports writer here. But I would be way more comfortable with the Green Bay Packers if Aaron Rodgers didn't have a soap opera going on every week. If it wasn't the, the weird-haired girlfriend one week and the new tattoo. Blue of her. God. <laughs> the next week. And I'm on Joe Rogan this week. And, I mean, dude. You didn't show up to OTAs. You didn't show up to, uh, you know, conditioning. You didn't show up to anything other than mandatory minicamp. And you're complaining that your wide receivers don't have good chemistry with you because it's their fault. Where were you? 
So uh, I feel differently about the Green Bay Packers now than I did say uh, at the end of last season. Armando, you're always great. Can't wait to uh, have you back on next week as we will be on game day for Thursday night football between uh, the Rams and Bills. It's going to be excellent. Football is back. Buckle up. Here we go. Amazing. Look forward to it. Same here. There's Armando Salguero. Read his great work at outkick.com. Thanks. Um, and uh, follow him, of course, on uh, on social media, on Twitter, just by, he makes it easy on you. Just search out his name. Coming up, Lou Holtz reportedly, well, he, his great pinsmanship, because he wrote letters to Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. And the rest of the story is interesting because he was the only coach of the two that wrote letters to the other. That's next Now Kick 360. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, kick 360 rolls on. Baker Mayfield says he did not say uh, uh, he did not say what he was alleged to have said oh, about come on, effing up Baker. the Browns to Cynthia Freeland. Come on, Cynthia. Just l- I said yesterday, Chad, this is Baker version college point oh. This is the swagger. Well, Baker me, is back. Let me know? also say this. I love Cynthia Freeland. We have yeah. her on the Super Bowl all the time. That doesn't sound like something I would repeat if I had a relationship with Baker Mayfield in a podcast interview or wherever it was she she's repeated this. Was it, it during it was the podcast. Bills broadcast or was it during the it was a podcast? I think it, it was a podcast. I don't know that I would you know uh, yeah I spoke to Baker and he said I'm gonna bleep them up. <laughs> Miles Garrett, I don't loved think it, that that's a. Well, Miles Garrett said, "Yeah, we're going to deal with it. We're going to yeah. we're going to use it." But he also said, "You know, he was a guy here that had that paraphrasing, had that swagger." So here, here's how it was all set up. So she was on the Around the NFL podcast as a guest, and she the one of the hosts. I don't remember which one it was. It's a very good podcast. Uh, set her up by saying, "Hey, you had a run in with Baker Mayfield recently. Do you care to share what he said?" And the quote was. I was like, kick some butt, but I didn't say that word. She said, laughing. Go kick some butt, especially week one. I, I, I cannot wait for that. And he uses some expletives, like, I'm going to bleep them up. And then um, the, the host responds and says, he said he was going to F them up. And she says, yes. Yeah, that's a little... Uh... Look, she's being a good guest, and they're having a, a casual conversation. That's what I want out of our guests on our show. Right. And a follow-up to the follow-up. So that was the quote. Responded, yes. I mean, she's not lying uh, about but that. But he's not no. talking on the record to her in that situation Now either. he's lying, coming back and saying he didn't say it. To protect I believe her. Because he's not talking on the record well, when he's chatting with her. It's also like, it's a story, non-story. It adds into the hype of it. Like, of course. It makes total sense that he feels that way. Yeah, he should. Now he's got to say, "Yeah, I said it, but I don't appreciate that she's sharing it." <laughs> well, now he's worried that Miles Garrett, he's Miles, Miles break Garrett, his leg. has responded by yeah. saying, "Like we're going to take that and use that." <laughs> yeah, I, I think a better way to say it is, "I was saying it with a friend." You know, like they're <laughs> like, "Hey, good luck," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna," you know, I was saying it in jest. Flip it. This is what, but 
He could all say, that's obviously what I want to do, though, you know, going into this game. Um, in every game. What What is, uh, what's Lou Holtz complaining about in his letter writing to to Brian Kelly at, at Notre Dame? So he said he wrote multiple letters to Brian Kelly. You know, he's kind of a coach emeritus there, you know, an old guy yeah. offering some advice or something. Which he's something. done with all the coaches. Yeah, and uh, never heard back. Those letters were not returned. I So... I got. I have a difficult time with this because if someone were to write me a handwritten letter, while I appreciate, we're presuming it, handwritten. I don't know if great, we know that for wrote, sure. I mean, if if Lou Holtz is saying, I mean, Lou Holtz has been sending letters since 1947. It can have a secretary so take dictation. Look, it, but Lou Holtz is sending letters. If he says I sent him letters, he didn't send him a text. Yeah. He sent him letters. If I get a letter, <laughs> I, I'm going to respond to it, but uh, I may find the person's cell phone number and send them a nice long text and say. Really appreciate Thoughtful the message, Coach. Thank you so much. You know, we still talk thanks about for rooting here. for us. Yeah, you, you did a great job here. Say something very kind back to him. I don't know that I'm going to sit down and handwrite a letter back and become pen pals with Lou Holtz if I'm Brian Kelly also. Not using the so ink I'm, I'm somewhat sympathetic. Pat Brian McAfee Kelly had an unbelievable oh, segment on this that yeah, got us awesome. turned on One to of his guys has a great a Lou Holtz impression. It was really funny. High comedy. Yeah, but you've got to acknowledge it. That's a bad form by Brian Kelly. Bad form. Well, Brian Kelly's not the most sympathetic figure, but again, I, I think it's a great gesture to write a handwritten note. I'm not writing a bunch of handwritten no, letters. You just to have people. to acknowledge it in some way, shape, or form. Yes, you don't have you to go find his number handwritten for handwritten. It's also it's letters plural. It's yeah. not yeah. one. Uh, it appears you did not get Coach my first Kelly. letter. It you appears did you did not get my, my first letter, so I am writing again. I watched the game against the Naval Academy this past weekend, and I thought that your guards <laughs> were a little bit out of position. Dude, I would really appreciate it. It appears response. you did not get my first two letters. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking so about I'm the, Civil War, again. the Civil War letters being written. Yeah. That's how General Lou Holtz Andrew Luck. <laughs> it's General it's, Lou it's Holtz. in a general Andrew Luck form. Jackson State and uh, Deion Sanders at a, a water crisis. Uh, details on this as we kick off hour number three on Outkick 360.